welcome to the Data Monitor Healthcare Podcast, where we dive into the latest developments in healthcare and medicine. I'm Emma. And I'm Flora. This episode is our 2024 Outlook Report, where we share anticipated highlights and market shifts across disease areas for the upcoming year, straight from our subject matter experts here at Data Monitor. We have an exciting lineup of topics to discuss, so let's jump right in with metabolic diseases. Absolutely. Our first section takes us into the realm of liver health. We're talking about non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH, which is a condition that's been garnering a lot more attention lately. There's promising news on the horizon with Madrigal's resmaterium anticipated to become the first U.S.-approved therapy for NASH. This could really shake things up in the field, increasing awareness and hopefully improving diagnosis and treatment rates. And it's not just about new medications either. There's also a shift towards more non-invasive diagnostic tests, which could replace the traditional liver biopsy as the gold standard. Moving on to another area of concern, let's talk about chronic heart failure. This market is dominated by effective, older and genericized classes of drugs, chiefly the angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers and beta blockers. But despite this, survival rates still remain low. New drugs, including Novartis Entresto, which is a dual ARB neutral endopeptidase inhibitor, and sodium glucose co-transporter 2 inhibitors have both shown to offer further cardiovascular benefits. The array of therapeutic options is much wider for heart failure with reduced ejection fraction than for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, and it is the latter indication that is the target of most research and development, and therefore has a relatively greater market growth. The chronic kidney disease market is similar and that the current standard of care drugs are quite effective, but Anthropoiesis stimulating agents, or ESAs, are expensive injectable agents that come with cardiovascular safety concerns. The novel oral hypoxia-inducible factor prolohydroxylase, or HIFPH inhibitors, were a new hope to offer a more effective, safer, and less expensive alternative, but pivotal trial data did not completely convince regulators in the U.S. and Europe, with limits placed on approvals. A second FDA approval decision for Akibia's HIF-PH inhibitor, Yadatostat, in 2024 could provide more choice in the lucrative U.S. market. That's right. And furthermore, diabetes is one of the most common causes of chronic kidney disease, which is also known as diabetic nephropathy. In this disease, improved glycemic control is important, but novel drugs have been shown to also slow the progression of kidney damage. The most promising drug and drug candidates include the SGLT2s and mineral corticoid receptor antagonists, which are anticipated to continue to grow the market in the upcoming years. Speaking of diabetes, this disease area has also recently gotten a lot of press, and this enthusiasm will continue into 2024. The expected success of Novo Nordisk's glucagon-like peptide 1, or GLP-1, receptor agonist semaglutide is in its pivotal type 2 diabetic nephropathy study, Uh, and could further boost usage beyond type 2 diabetes and obesity, which is strongly linked to cardiovascular disease. Although the first-line treatment for type 2 diabetes is dominated by generic metformin, branded products including GLP-1 receptor agonists and SGLT2 inhibitors are increasingly being used to help with comorbidities as well as glycemic control. Nova Nordisk's Ozempic and Eli Lilly's Manjaro have also demonstrated impressive weight loss, and as a result, demand has soared which has actually led to some supply issues in some markets for related products. In type 1 diabetes, the market has been gradually declining in value as market-leading products lose patent protection, despite the entrance of newer products with improved PKPD profiles. 
However, a potential driver of growth in this market is in the prevention space, with Sanofi's acquisition of teplizumab, a monoclonal antibody approved with the aim of delaying the onset of stage 3 type 1 diabetes. Interestingly, in contrast to the boom in diabetes and related disease markets, the market for osteoporosis treatments is facing some challenges, with patent expirations looming for leading medications such as Amgen's Prolia in 2025. This could slow down market growth, despite increasing disease prevalence in the age and major pharmaceutical markets. Similarly, many of the inflammatory disease markets are also having to contend with patent expiries for leading drugs. In psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, the launch of nine Humira biosimilars last year, along with an additional one in 2024, will result in significant market erosion for Humira. This will likely ramp up mid-year, partially driven by CVS Caremark's decision to remove Humira from its national commercial template formulary starting on April 1st. The rheumatoid arthritis landscape will also be impacted by the same Humira biosimilar erosion. While biosimilars for Actemra may also gain momentum, the convenient oral formulation of the JAK inhibitor class will continue to play a key role in treatment paradigms despite the box warning. Much of the RA pipeline is an earlier phase, but there are a few drugs that will see phase two readouts in 2024, including data for Rigel Pharmaceuticals R552, an oral drug with a novel mechanism of action targeting RIPK1. A phase 2B trial for Eli Lilly's Terasolumab is also set to complete at the end of 2024, although we may not see top-line results for this until 2025. And we could also expect biosimilars erosion to hit the Crohn's disease market pretty substantially especially whilst these Humira biosimilars are still buying for favourable formulary placement and Stellara biosimilars are awaiting launch. SkyRizzy will look to expand market share among the approved drugs as recent head-to-head trial data has put the drug ahead of Stellara. S1P inhibitors, Zaposia and Velsipiti are the only promising late-stage pipeline therapies in this market, as key opinion leaders are sceptical about the mechanism action of RHB104. Unfortunately, disappointing results from the ADMIRE phase 3 trials has rendered Takeda's CX601 obsolete. Amidst both Humira and Stellara biosimilar battles, the ulcerative colitis pipeline remains active, holding multiple novel prospects in distinct mechanisms of action and biologics with more convenient formulations. The market will welcome IL-23 modulators Tremfire and Skyrizi, cytoplasmic plasmic cap-binding complex, obafazimod, anti-TL1A RVT3101 and PRA023, as well as the toll-like receptor 9 modulator, Kappaproct. Anti-integrin in TVO continues to be among the most attractive therapies in ulceritis colitis. And with the launch of self-administrated subcutaneous version, Takeda will look to expand NTVO's reach in the market. As for wet AMD, this market will see fierce competition between Regeneron's Ilea and Roach's Babismo. The latter has an increased efficacy, as evidenced by the dual mechanism of action. Regeneron has launched Ilea HD to tackle this competition. Still, Ilea biosimilars are expected to launch later in the year, adding another dimension to the competition between Regeneron and Roach. I think it's going to be quite exciting to see how this influx of biosimilars plays out across these different markets. This will definitely be a hot topic in 2024. Also, if anyone is interested in learning more about the Humira biosimilar market in particular, we have another Data Monitor podcast episode that came out at the end of last year, which dives even deeper into this topic. Moving on to chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. 
Although expectations for biologics are not as high here as in other indications, given the heterogeneity of this disease, 2024 will be critical in further defining the evolving biologic landscape. In the second half of 2024, Sanofi and Regeneron expect a decision in both Europe and the U.S. on their supplemental BLAs for IL-4, IL-13 targeting antibody dupixent. If approved, this drug would become the first antibody in this disease space. Other antibodies in development include AstraZeneca's Tozorakumab, an IL-33 ligand with phase two results from Frontier 4 anticipated in Q1, and Amgen's Tezfire, which is expected to read out phase 2A data in the first half of the year. Additionally, the phase 3 matinee trial for GSK's asthma drug Nucala will likely have top-line results in the second half of 24, impacting expectations from the IL-5 targeting competitor for Sunro, which is expected to have a readout from the Resolute trial in 2025. Biologics are also expected to fuel market growth in asthma, despite being used by only a limited number of asthma patients, mainly due to their high cost. However, if the price of Zolaire biosimilars is significantly reduced, it has the potential to revolutionize the market, especially for patients with milder severity of asthma. On another note, the multiple sclerosis market had a major letdown late last year as phase three results from the market's first BTK inhibitor, Merck KTA's Evubrutinib, did not live up to expectations. However, we eagerly look forward to top-line results from fellow pipeline agents such as Sanofi's Tolabrutinib, and Immunix IMU838. Amidst the hubbub, Ocrevus continues to dominate and will look to expand its lion share by introducing a subcutaneous route into the market. You know, I think something else we should make sure to highlight is the increase in potentially disease-modifying therapies in some of these indications. In atopic dermatitis, for instance, OX40 targeting drugs hold some promise for disease-modifying potential, although safety will need to be monitored closely. Amgen expects an initial data readout from the seven-study phase three rocket program of anti-OX40 antibody racontinlimab in 2024, which will be followed by phase three results for OX40 targeting competitor amlatelumab, likely in 2025. Additionally, in neurology, where disease-modifying drugs are just beginning to find a place in the Alzheimer's treatment program, the impending Q1 FDA decision on donanumab as well as the growing number of providers working to get Lakembi set up in their practices, has kindled excitement surrounding anti-amyloid drugs. Although Aduhelm, the first drug in this new anti-amyloid class, was recently discontinued, this is unlikely to impact the landscape substantially, as the usage of this drug was already quite low. 2024 and beyond will likely see a push for dismantling the currently substantial barriers to accessing these novel treatments, including the potential for subcutaneous formulations of these drugs. However, the safety issues plaguing the anti-amyloid class have led to the development of a number of pipeline candidates with differing mechanisms. Top-line results for the Smufalam long-term extension, as well as Butanatap in moderate Alzheimer's, are expected this year. Disease-modifying therapies may also be on the horizon for Parkinson's disease, following the discovery of the alpha-synuclein seed assay as a potential biomarker in 2023. Efforts in 2024 and onwards will partly be focused on developing a biological definition for PD that predicts disease progression, which could be used to create a new staging tool and aid in the development of disease-modifying therapies. So far, their say has been shown to detect misfolded alpha-synuclein in spinal fluid, and for practicality, especially in less developed countries, the assay is now being optimised in order to detect alpha-synuclein through blood, skin and saliva. 
It sounds like that could be really groundbreaking for the Parkinson's community. Unlike Parkinson's, however, the migraine space is characterized more by label expansions and reformulations rather than an active pipeline or inventive diagnostics. This has been the case particularly since the entrance of the anti-CGRPs, which are now available in multiple formulations for chronic and episodic, as well as preventative and acute scenarios. However, in 2024, we can expect a readout from the Phase 3 trial evaluating Botox and episodic migraine, which could significantly increase usage if supplemental approval is granted, since this population is much larger than chronic, although the drug does lose patent protection in the next couple of years. Additionally, Pfizer is also developing an oral version of Zazapret, the newest anti-CGRP and the only intranasal formula in this class. Pipeline results are likely to be released in the latter half of 2024. And the epilepsy market is similarly focused on label expansions. Although in 2024, I think we can expect more attention on rare seizure disorders, which has been and will continue to be a major growth driver. A Japanese approval decision for key epilepsy player UCB's Fintelpla in Lennox Gastau syndrome is expected in 2024, as well as top line phase three data readouts for the same drug in CDK L5 deficiency disorder and for staccato alprazolam in stereotypical prolonged seizures. Additionally, UCB will continue to pursue new strategies and life cycle management in an effort to maintain market share following FinPAT's loss of US and European market exclusivity in 2022. And moving on to psychiatry, brand new muscarinic receptor modulators for schizophrenia are attracting attention from multi-billion dollar companies. After entering a definitive merger agreement at the end of 2023, Bristol Myers Squibb have agreed to acquire Karuna Therapeutics for a total equity value of $14 billion, with the transaction expected to close in the first half of 2024. Karuna's lead asset, CAR-XD, which is an oral dual M1, M4 muscarinic agonist, could become the first FDA-approved schizophrenia drug in several decades, boasting a novel mechanism of action. CAR-XD, which is due for a US approval decision in September 2024, is also differentiated from marketed drugs by its strong safety profile, significant efficacy and fast onset of action. The deal closely follows an $8.7 billion deal by AbbVie to acquire Cerevel Therapeutics, which is developing Emraclidine, a similar rival drug to CAR-XD, yet to produce any phase two or phase three data. The transaction expected to close in mid-2024. Novelty is also the name of the game for depression drugs as well. Depression is a disease space once dominated by generic SSRI use, but is now rapidly expanding to include other approaches, namely psychedelics. However, developers will have to contend with the pervasive stigma surrounding this drug class, including navigating the U.S.'s drug schedule, which has historically restricted research into some of these substances. Importantly, top-line phase three results for Compass Pathways psilocybin compound, COMP360, are expected this year, as well as readouts from the Phase 3 Relight and Reliance trials for REL 1017. The approval of Sage Therapeutics Zerzuve in 2023 for postpartum depression represented the first oral drug to be approved for this indication and only the second drug overall. This approval has brought postpartum depression into the spotlight and, depending on the success of Zerzuve, we may see the subindication gaining momentum in the coming years. Moving on to bipolar disorder where the phase three trial for cyclurat, NeuroRx's proprietary formulation of decycloserine and lurosidone is set for completion by the end of 2024. 
Cyclorad has the potential to become the first drug approved expressly for suicidality and bipolar depression and, consequently, has been awarded fast track and breakthrough therapy designation by the FDA. On a different note, the potential US approval of a generic version of Abilithi Maintainer in 2024 could change the dynamics within the long-acting injectable market significantly, depending on how it is priced. The ADHD market is also experiencing a turning point with the further genericization of cicada Vivans after its loss of market exclusivity last year and the widespread Adderall shortage, which has been blamed on a number of reasons, including manufacturer errors, an increase in ADHD diagnoses, and pandemic-era policies allowing for greater access to telemedicine. The shortage is expected to continue through 2024, with hopes that supply will once again meet demand by 2025, while the uptake of Cupernus's Calbri, one of the four non-stimulant options for ADHD, will also continue to rise. Speaking of the pandemic, I think we should move on to our team's assessment of the infectious diseases face in 2024. And what better place to start than to talk about the exciting developments in the COVID-19 realm? Companies like Moderna, Novavax and Pfizer are working on annual booster vaccines targeting not just COVID-19, but also influenza and RSV. The hope for this is that it will simplify the logistics and thereby lead to improved patient compliance. With phase three trials for these pan-respiratory candidates already underway, we can look forward to readouts throughout 2024 and 2025. These sound like exciting next steps for COVID-19 prevention, which of course has a knock-on effect for the COVID-19 treatment market. Our analysts anticipate this market to decline progressively, with revenues for key products like Gilead's Veclary beginning to fall and few key readouts to look for in 2024. Well, much like the COVID-19 treatment space, the hepatitis C market also expects a decline in sales, and that's due to the emergence of curative therapeutics. Nevertheless, there's still some interesting developments on the horizon here. Absolutely. One combination to keep an eye on is Bemnifosivir and Rifasivir, currently in phase two development. While it may not stand out from the crowd, it could still find its place, particularly in salvage settings. This will, of course, become clearer upon its top-line readout, which is anticipated in Q3 of 2024. Hopefully that combination can restore some life into the market. Speaking of which, the dyslipidemia market is also seeing leading brand sales decline, and that's since the introduction of generics. However, there is still hope for growth with novel drugs like Ionis Pharmaceuticals' Olazarsen and Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals, ARO APOC3. Moving on to hemophilia prophylaxis, we're seeing a potential revolution with gene therapies and new modes of action aiming to reduce treatment burdens. Tissue factor pathway inhibitors and small interface RNA are shaking things up in this disease space. Talking of revolutionary advances, Merkinco's Sotatacept is poised to make waves in the pulmonary hypertension space. With its unique mechanism of action, it could offer much-needed disease modification capabilities. The drug is expected to receive U.S. approval in March 2024. Now, on to HIV treatments. While the market is expected to peak in 2024, patent experts could lead to a decline in 2025. However, there is hope on the horizon with new agents in clinical development for pharmacological prep, offering less frequent dosing schedules for improved appearance. And speaking of new approvals, the uptake of RSV vaccines like GSK's Arexi and Pfizer's Abridso is expected to drive growth in the elderly population, while Moderna's mRNA vaccination could soon join the fray as well. It's good to see the rollout of so many approvals across these disease areas. Unfortunately, no approvals look to be on the horizon in the HPV market, with pipeline development currently very limited. This means that Merck's Gardasil 9 use in gender-neutral vaccination campaigns 
will continue to dominate. There is one candidate currently in U.S. clinical trials, and that's GSK's phase one, phase two agent. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Now shifting gears a bit, let's dive into what we can expect in the oncology area this year. And let's kick things off with gastric cancer. AstraZeneca's and Fimsy could be on the cusp of a breakthrough with the Matterhorn study, as positive survival data could mark a significant milestone by making Infimsy the first targeted therapy in this space. However, hopes are not too high here. With previous failures from other PD-1 inhibitors in this setting, such as the likes of Keytruda, which failed to translate a similarly impressive response data into a significant survival benefit. And considering this, if we are to see negative survival results from Matterhorn, this may raise questions about the predictive value of pathological complete response for survival outcomes within this indication. That is quite interesting, especially considering how well-versed this predictive relationship is for early breast cancer, where achievement of pathological complete response is strongly prognostic for survival outcomes. And that's exactly why this Matterhorn readout will be one to watch. But whilst we're on the topic of breast cancer, let's take a look at some of the upcoming catalysts in this indication. So in HER2 is expected to continue to shine across subtype and the upcoming release of results from Destiny Breast 6 could pave the way for an expanded label in HER2 low patients, a population in dire need of effective treatments. And speaking of game changers, Keytruda and Padsev are making waves in first-line treatments following promising data presented at ASCO 2023. Meanwhile, Zutansi's approval in biochemically recurrent populations solidified its dominance in the market. Talking of approvals, Merck's Veloag is poised for dominance after its approval in renal cell carcinoma, following positive data in the Phase 3 LightSpark 005 trial, offering hope for metastatic pretreated patients. Let's not forget about head and neck cancer. Zavinapan's Phase 3 trials, especially the Trillinex trial, could lead to regulatory submissions for this first-in-class therapy, potentially transforming the standard of care in locally advanced settings. And now moving into the hematological oncology space, the recent approval of J. Perka in chronic lymphocytic leukemia could signal a new era for multi-refractory and resistant patients. With nemtabrutinib in phase three trials and more non-covalent BTK inhibitors in the pipeline, there's hope for this poorly treated third line and beyond setting to see a new era with improved prognosis and a variety of therapeutic options. Yeah, multiple myeloma is another hematological oncology indication, which hopes new approvals will help drive growth. Supplementary approvals for Carvicti and Abecma could offer much-needed options for patients, with both CAR-T therapies seeking approval for earlier lines of therapy. Unfortunately, this doesn't seem to be the case for chronic myeloid leukemia. This market is bracing for further generic erosion, particularly in the frontline and secondline settings. With generic versions of Spricel and Tissinger on the horizon, we can expect further challenges for Basolif as well in establishing a significant share. And there you have it, a whirlwind tour of some of the most exciting pharma developments to look out for in 2024. And we'll be back next month where we'll be discussing the financial outlook for the pharma industry in the upcoming year. Thanks for tuning in to Data Monitor's February podcast.